Good morning. It is good to have you here. We need a fresh new year in 2021. And we began the series talking about what exactly is a mulligan. And we talked about a guy named Mephibosheth. He was the grandson of Saul, the lame grandson of Saul, who under normal circumstances during that time when King David became king, he would have wiped out all of the family of King Saul. The old king's family usually got axed and the new king takes place. But, but King David showed grace and mercy and forgiveness to, to Mephibosheth and allowed him to eat at the king's table for all the days of his life. We said that's exactly what God Almighty does for us. He, he takes us and all of the messes that we have been a part of and he allows us, he gives us grace and mercy so that we might sit at the king of kings table all the days, all eternity. Well, that was week one. Last week, we kind of took a step back and said, well, why does a person take a mulligan in the first place? What's the, the deal with the mulligan? You know, if you're a golfer, you know that's when you, you know, zing a shot into the woods and you take a second shot, a redo. And we talked about the guy who needed more mulligans maybe than anybody else in the Bible, and that's Jacob. And Jacob, who even after receiving a mulligan, still, still went back on his vow and was still a you know, a scoundrel and was still a deceiver and all the rest. And eventually God spoke to him and said, go back to, in Genesis 35, go back to Bethel. Go back to that place where I first encountered you. Go back to those promises, that very first vow that you made. And examine your life from there. And we talked about going back to our personal Bethels. I told you about how when I was a kid and was at the Elmwood Church of the Nazarene, how I made a vow to God. And, and, and we talked about examining our life and saying, was there a time when my relationship with Jesus is better than, than it is now? Was I, did I have a greater fervor for the Lord? Was I more excited about Jesus? And we talked about going back to our own personal Bethels and seeing where we're at. Well, today, this last series, sermon in this series, I want us to, to examine what does it mean after the mulligan? What happens after you've hit your, your mulligan? I, I, last week was before the mulligan. This week is after the mulligan. You know, if you're a golfer, when you zing one into the woods, your fellow golfers, if they're being sympathetic, will say something like, oh, wow, you really hit that hard. If only it would have gone straight. And then they say something very kind. They say, well, you know, why don't you take a mulligan? You say, well, okay, normally I don't, but okay. If you insist, and you grab the ball, and you hit it, and so, and you hit the ball, and the goal, if you're not a golfer, like usually my second shot when I do take a mulligan, it goes deeper in the woods than the first shot. <laughs> and then they are kind of kind, and they groan, and they say, well, Pastor, why don't you just toss it in the fairway? You'll be okay. <laughs> and so that's my golf skill. But generally, 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 the idea is to hit the ball straighter, farther, better than that first shot that you had landed in the woods or in the pond or wherever it ended up being. That's the goal of a mulligan. And so, so for us in this series, as we're talking about a do-over, not necessarily even a do-over from 2020 or a restart from 2020, certainly that's a part of it. But we're saying what we want is, is a do-over, a restart in some of the areas, some of the attitudes, some of the relationships in our own life. And I think, I think one of my favorite passages is going to help us with this. It's the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, that's where we're going to be this morning. Chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. I think he's, Paul is giving us what's next. After the mulligan, what's next? And this is what he writes. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, listen, I want to hit the mark. 
I want to know Christ. I've had my mulligan, you know, on the road to Damascus. I encountered Jesus Christ. I was the worst of sinners. I was, I was a, the, the guy chasing down Christians and seeing them executed, standing by and allowing all of this to go on. That was who I was. The worst of the worst of the worst of the worst, the farthest from Jesus. And yet he showed me grace and mercy. He gave me a mulligan. And now... I want to know Christ. I want to, I want to know him and participate in, 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 in his suffering. I want, to, I want to know Jesus. That's my greatest goal. That's hitting the mark. I want to know Christ. And then we need to read on verse 12. It says, not that I've already obtained this. I'm not exactly where I want to be, he's saying. Or I've already arrived at my goal. None of us. None of us. have. Been. We all could love more, serve more, be more the person that, that Jesus created us to be. But I press on, Paul writes, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what, ahead, what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. We're talking about life after the mulligan. Only live up to what you've already attained. Alright, 2020 is behind us. You know, the windshield is far bigger than the rearview mirror. And the reason for that is there's far more things to see as you're moving forward than to examine what's gone on behind. And sometimes it's good to look back on, your, on, on what's gone on behind so you don't repeat maybe some of the same failures. But 2021, if that's going to be our mulligan year, success will happen not simply as we're looking back, but as we move forward and look ahead. And, and, and I think this is where Paul's going to help us. You know, we've all gone through tough times this past year, of course. You know, and there's plenty of good reasons for that. Pandemics and social distancing and, and loneliness and maybe, maybe joblessness or, or less employed. I talked to a friend of mine this week who he, his company uh, uh, sells um, products that are used at stadiums. You know, like souvenirs and things like that that are used at stadiums. All the, all the stadiums have been closed. You know, there's been, no, there's been very few fans that have been allowed in stadiums. That's his business. So his business is, has taken a hit this past year, no doubt about it. It's taken a hit. And so there's a lot of questions going on and still questions. You know, how do I juggle school and family and life and, and kids? And, and when will I get the vaccine? And what's going to happen next? There's all those things. Life hasn't been perfect. None of us, all of us would agree to that. And maybe, maybe, maybe you've been doing okay. But it's wearing on, you know, this has been, we're in 10 months now and, and even though there's probably light at the end of the tunnel, vaccines are coming and still it's just like, ah, oh, when will this all be done? Listen to Paul. Again, Paul, I think, is, is helping us. He's saying, all right, this is what I want. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. If I had a, a prayer for you for 2021... It wouldn't be, it, w it wouldn't even be getting the vaccine. It wouldn't even be putting some of these things that we've gone on with, that we've been dealing with behind us. Michael, my prayer for you is that you would know Christ and know the power of his resurrection. That you would know Jesus greater than you've ever known him. That you would experience the power of a Savior coming beside you and knowing that He is with you. Whatever happens. Yes, this year has been, you know, by all accounts, a rotten, horribly, no good, very bad year, 2020. But you know what? 
Jesus wants, to, Jesus wants to come alongside you. And this isn't, this hopefully will be the last time we've ever experienced this. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be other trials that come our way. There certainly will be. That's why we want to know Christ. We want to know the power of his resurrection. We want to know him more and more. And knowing that no matter what comes down the road, Jesus is with me. That's what Paul is getting to. But notice, he offers a disclaimer right away. Not that I've already obtained this. I am not there yet. Or I've already been made perfect. He's saying, I haven't reached the finish line. If you're a NASCAR fan, the checkered flag hasn't been, hasn't been waved. If you, using our golf analogy, you haven't made the final putt on the 18th green. Still, you're still in the game, in other words. And I think that's one of the, the keys to moving on past the mulligan. It's, it's saying, saying, I recognize that I'm still playing. After you hit that mulligan shot, say you're on hole four, you get an extra shot, you hit the ball, it goes straight down the fairway. You don't say, wow, that was a great shot. See you later, boys. No. You keep on playing, right? You're still in the game. It's not, it's not over. And for every single one of us, we're still in the game. Life isn't done. We haven't entered the, the winner's circle. We haven't, we haven't uh, entered, if we want to use our, our, our golf analogy, we haven't even entered the heavenly clubhouse. We haven't arrived. There's still some living to do on this old planet. There's nothing, nothing worse than, than being around people that think they've arrived. Oh, yeah, I've made it. Done everything I'm going to do. Just going to coast the rest of the way, wait for Jesus to take me home, you know, in the sweet by and by. No, no, no. I want to keep on living. I want to keep serving. I want to keep with everything I've got. I don't want to coast my way home. I want to, I want to keep living. This week, Carl and I went to, to Olivet Nazarene University. If you haven't heard, Olivet was uh, needing a new president. Their, their current president, Dr. John Bowling, is retiring after 30 years, and so I'm on the board of trustees, so we had to elect a new president. We did that this week. We elected, if you haven't heard, Dr. Greg Chenoweth. If that name sounds familiar, it should. We, have, we call our family center the Chenoweth Family Center, and we give students who go to Olivet uh, and they apply for the Chenoweth Scholarship. We've given over $200,000 from the Chenoweth Scholarship to students to go to school, and those are named after Greg's parents. Uh, uh, Bob and Arlene Chenoweth. They were part of our church for many, many years. And, and Greg grew up in our church. He was in our Sunday school. Some of you probably had him in Sunday school. You were his Sunday school teacher or had him in youth group or caravans or whatever it was back in the day. And, and now he's, you know, president. La-di-da. That's awesome. So, Carla and I had to go because, you know, I had to vote. And, and Carla, Carla had no purpose in going. Carla's only purpose for going was to make sure that I didn't kill myself on the road there or back. And, you know, that was her. And if you've seen me drive, then you know that that was a very good reason for her to attend, you know, because she was... But I've got to admit to you, Carla's sitting over there, I've got to admit to you, she didn't do her job all that great. Now you can say, well, of course she did her job good because you're here. You didn't get in an accident. There was no car troubles. There was no tickets. So she did her job right. Well, no, she really didn't do her job great because her job was to be an extra set of eyes on the way to, to, to Olivet. But the whole time, you know, she's reading or she's taking a nap, painting her fingernails, stinking up the whole car. No, she didn't do that. You didn't do that this time. Thank you. You know, 
She's not doing her job. No, I don't blame her. I don't blame her because she's been on that trip. You know, you go to get out of Olivet, you take 69 to 94 to 80 to 57, and you're there. And there's, it's not a particularly scenic drive. You know, and she's, we've been on that drive plenty of times. You know, in 69, you can see the, uh, the Lansing GM assembly plant. That's not all that exciting. You get on 94. As soon as you get on 94, there's the Firestarters Casino, which the parking lot was full, which seems to think the stimulus money, I know where it's going. And so, but that's another sermon for another day. And then, you know, so that's not all that exciting. You get to Indiana and you go, drive over that big gravel pit. That's not all that great. Um, and then when you're on 57, heading to Olivet, there's nothing to see. It's just, you know. So I understand why she was, was reading and not paying attention. That's not that great. But here's my problem. When people just go through life, you know, suck in air, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is, and never, never, never are aware of what's going on around them. Just letting life pass them by. How sad is that? What's even worse, what's more tragic? So when Christians, followers of Jesus, allow life to just, you know, pass them, never making a difference, never making a difference in a person's life, Never, never trying to, 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 to see what God has in store. Just kind of sucking air and going through life and letting life pass them by and never doing anything for Jesus. That's tragic. See, and the Apostle Paul said, listen, I'm not coasting. Not that I have already arrived. He, he's not just waiting for heaven. And if the Apostle Paul could say that, doesn't it just make sense that you and I probably haven't arrived either? I mean, who would have blamed him? He's sitting in a prison. Paul is writing Philippians 3 from a prison cell. Soon he's going to be martyred for his faith. And no one would have blamed him and said, you know what, I've done my time. I've done what I could do. I'm chained to a wall. I'm going to be martyred for my faith. I'm just going to coast till, you know, one day I'm going to start making plans, my blueprint plans for my heavenly manger. That's what I'm going to spend my time doing. That's not what he says. He said, not that I've already arrived. I've still got some stuff to do. There was races to be won. There's, there's life to be lived. God's not through with me yet. That's what he's saying. Listen, that's true for you too. For you at home. You who, have, who are, are, are legitimately at home because of this virus and you can't go out and you can't do the things you want to do and you want to be in church and it's easy to ha have the enemy come alongside you and say, well, you're through. What can you do? You can't even leave your house for crying out loud. You're done. You're toast. You're finished. Don't you believe it. God has things in store for every one of us. And you at home, God has things in store. They're still in the game. If you can hear my voice, you're still in the game. You need to recognize that God's not done yet. I guess the next thing is moving forward and after the mulligan. Not only recognize that you're still in the game, but also reach out, reach out and grab a hold of Jesus. Do you see what Paul said? But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You want to move forward in, in life after the mulligan? It's taking hold of Jesus. He's already grabbed a hold of you. Remember, Paul's already had that Damascus Road experience that totally transformed his life, changed everything about Paul. Everything he did, everything that happened following that event was all predicated on that encounter with Jesus Christ. That changed everything. 
And if you're a Christian, you've had that Damascus Road experience. I told you about mine last week. Elmwood Church of the Nazarene. The church isn't even a church anymore. Now it's a doctor's office. The preacher who preached the sermon isn't a preacher anymore. He swindled money. He took off who knows where he is. But Jesus Christ came to me. And guess what? He stayed with me. He hasn't left me. Everything else has changed and left and switched, but not Jesus. He's still with me, and he wants to be with you. Grab a hold of him. Let, let Jesus be with Again, no matter what happens in the days ahead, when you grab a hold of Jesus, you know you've got a friend in Jesus. I know too many Christians who, who when stuff happens, COVID, 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 politics, 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 junk, 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 junk. You know, life isn't going my way. Blah, blah, blah. And they, they become... They, they become like Eeyore, you know, from Winnie the Pooh. Oh, it's never going to get any better. Life is just this way. Again, if anyone could have said that, it would have been Paul. He's sitting in a prison, a Roman prison. He's saying, uh, saying, saying, but even while I'm here, even while I'm chained to this wall, even while there's a Roman guard there and I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, I know this, Jesus got a hold of me. And he hasn't left me. You know, in other writings of Paul, he talks about all these other people leaving him, but Jesus never left him, and Jesus will never leave us. It's grabbing a hold of Jesus. So we recognize we're still in the game. It's reaching out to Jesus. It's, it's staying on the, to stay on the course, and life after a mulligan, it's, it requires a purposeful action. You see what Paul says in verse 13? The one thing I do, not the 27 things I do, not even the top 10 things I do. The one thing I do, my singular purpose, the one thing I do. And notice Paul says, the one thing I do, not the one thing I'm going to do, the one day maybe I'll do, the one thing if I get around to it, I'll do. No, he's saying the one thing I do. I have this purpose today, right now. What are you doing for Jesus today? Don't get off course by simply saying, you know, well, someday, someday, when the kids are gone, then I'm going to, when this happens, and when this virus is behind me, then I'm going to, no, what are you doing today for Jesus? You know, we're 17 days into the new year, and, and if you made resolutions, I, I googled it to see how long, what's the average uh, that people give up their New Year's resolution? What's the average day? What day, by what day have their resolutions gone away? And you know what day it is? You've got two more days, January 19th. And so if you haven't busted your resolution, you've got two days before it's probably going to go by the way. So 80% are gone by January 19th. Listen, this is, I'm not talking about New Year's resolution. I'm not talking about something that's here one day and 19 days later is gone. I'm talking about getting a hold of Jesus, saying the one thing I do is going to be with Jesus. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know this, I'm going to be with Jesus. There's nothing that's going to deter me from being with Jesus. He's got a hold of me. I got a hold of him. That's not going to change. I got a hold of Jesus. The one thing I do, I've got Jesus. Now, right in the first service, I said that. And there was a snafu that happened in the church or in the sound system or wherever. And there was, there was a loud toilet flush right then. You know, I just said that point and then... And I'm sitting up here preaching. And I, and I asked the people, I said, did you hear the toilet flush? And of course they did. I don't, we do not, I just want you to know, um, with my hand on the Bible, we do not have microphones in the bathroom. You can do what you want to do. We are not recording it. I thought the sound guy didn't like that point, you know? The one thing I do, it was just a bad place for that noise. I just felt I needed to share that with you because it really messed me up in the first service. All right. 
what do we do as we move on from the mulligan? We, we recognize we're still in the game. When I, when I was working on the sermon, here's another tidbit that you don't need to know. I was working on the sermon, I realized my first three points, I'm going old school. They're all beginning with the letter R. And so I thought, oh, golly, now I guess I've got to go with all the letter R. So this is recognizing that we're still in the game, reaching out to Jesus, getting a hold of Jesus. Purposeful action requires a purposeful action. The one thing I do, all R words. So the next one... Paul says in, in, in verse 13, forgetting what is behind, remember to forget. I guess that's my... Remember, last week I told you to remember. Remember your Bethel. Remember when you, when you came to Jesus. Remember where you were. And now this week I'm telling you to forget. Which is it? I'm not being schizophrenic. I, I think Paul is saying, listen, there are things in your past you need to forget. Not, we're not talking about your encounter with Jesus here. We're talking about some of the junk that's happened. I know so many people, they've had bad things, legitimately terrible, horrible, awful things happen in their life, and they're still there. You know, life has moved on, but they're still there. And Paul is saying, forgetting what is behind, just put that stuff behind. And some of us have had bad memories, and we're stuck there. But bad memories aren't the only thing that keeps us stuck. Sometimes good memories keep us stuck. You know, I've known some people that say, oh, boy, the good old days, weren't they wonderful when everything was great and wonderful and I was just, I just wish it was the good old days. I was talking to a general superintendent this week and we were talking about a certain church and, and he said, man, they're just stuck in the past. They used to be a great, great church. Now they're kind of a lot church, but they think they're still a great, great church because they're living back there. Oh, what a wonderful days. See, we can get stuck with our good memories. We can get stuck with our bad memories. Paul said, forgetting what is behind. Forget it. Last Sunday, this is no joke, last Sunday, in between the services, I went in, usually, you know, usually after the first service, I say goodbye, 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 and then I've got about 20 minutes and I go in and catch my breath in my office. And so I was in there catching my breath, and I looked on my computer, I had 6,000 archived emails. 6,000! And I thought, who needs 6,000 archived emails? And so I... I I thought I was deleting the 6,000 archived emails. And I ended up deleting my 29,000 emails. 29,000, now don't at me, why in the world did you have 29,000 emails? I don't even know that answer. But I did, I, and, I, and I told, they're gone. They're not just in my junk file. They're gone, 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 gone. Yes, they are gone somewhere in the internet, gone. I'll, they're gone. And, uh, and at first I was really upset by that. I was like, 29,000, they're gone. All of, you know, all of my past. So if, if you've emailed me something important in the past, it's gone. And if you've emailed me something mean and nasty and want to, you know, uh, complain, uh, it's gone too. You can, you can re-email it to me. And just let me remind you, my email address is johng at centralnazarene.com. <laughs> At first, I was really upset by that because there were some important emails in there besides some of the cranky emails. But you know what? This wasn't part of my sermon, but I told it in the first service, so I'll tell you. I think I'm glad. I think I'm glad those emails are gone. I think I'm glad all 29,000 are gone, even though there were some important ones that I wish I wouldn't have lost. Because this is what... Because part of those, some of those were some emails that were quite hurtful. And every now and then, I'd be searching for something else, and I'd run across one of those hurtful emails. And then I'd just, you know, going past it, sometimes I would click on it, and I'd reread it again. And you know what it would do? It would take me right back to that awful spot. (laughs) 
I'm not a techie person. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how I emailed, the, uh, how I lost 29,000 emails and how they weren't even in my junk. I don't know how that really happened. I'm so untechy. But you, here is what I think happened. As now I've had a whole week to think about this. I think God Almighty said, Rob, you don't need that junk. And you know what? I think God Almighty is looking at you. And you've got some junk in your past. And you need him to eliminate it. I'm not saying God eliminated my 29,000 emails, but I think he might have had a hand in it. You need God to eliminate some of that junk. Paul says, forget what is behind. Forget it. Forget it. If it's holding you back, forget. Remember, remember your Bethel. Remember that. But forget that junk that's keeping you shackled. Forget that junk that is pulling you down. Forget it. You want to move forward in 21? Forget the junk. Forget it. And then you know what he says? I'm keeping with my R words. Straining towards what is ahead. Run. Run towards what is ahead. It brings to mind a, a sprinter. You know when a sprinter is in the race and the finish line is right there. And maybe there's somebody right next to him. What does the sprinter do? You know what he does. He reaches out. He strains for that, for that ribbon. He wants to be the first one. He strains with everything he's got. And Paul is saying, say, do that with Jesus. Take all the gifts, all the things that God has given you, all those abilities and talents and strain forward. Use everything you've got to serve Jesus. That's what he's saying. Strain towards him. Strain towards what is ahead. Good things are ahead. And then Paul says, in verse 14, I press on. Don't quit. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. We may face trials, we may face troubles, but guess what? The battle belongs to the Lord.